If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Explorative Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Explorate Podcast. I am your host, Rob, and joining me tonight are a group of special guests, starting with Havoc. Welcome to the show, Havoc. Hello, hello. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, I'm super excited to have you. I've been a huge fan of your work for so long, and now you are kind of part of the team of Hooded Horse, right? I am indeed. I do uh, influencer relations, help with Steam page stuff, uh, a lot of background things that kind of keep things running smoothly for the influencer side. Yeah, I appreciate what you do because we've had a lot of interactions from that and, you know, it's been much smoother and easier and it's cool because you have an influencer background, so it kind of makes things a little bit easier for you, right? It does indeed. And that's kind of probably what ended up getting me the job actually it was like, hey, you know, you know, the market, you know, the space from the content creator side. So let's help figure out how to make things easier for us on the hooded horse side and how to interact with them a little, a little more effectively. Awesome. And I've been promised that you're still going to be critical if you have to be. Oh, 100%. I always am. Awesome. Good. <laughs> All right. All right. We're going to keep you true to that. So we've got Tortuga Power with us again. Welcome back, Tortuga. I'm surprised I'm being brought back on, but thanks, Rob. I am too, actually. It was a debate internally, and I originally I was like, man, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I mean, we, we kicked him off for so, for so long. Why would I invite him back? But it, Desperate it turns, times. Yeah, it turns out you're actually pretty good at this Terra Invicta game, and you have maybe a couple things to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, all right. And you know what? I almost, I feel like I'm talking to like Terra Invicta royalty now because we have Perun here all the way from Australia. And if you haven't seen his video series, I don't know what you're doing. Welcome to the show, Perun. No, very good to be here. Thank you for accommodating the Australian time zone. Very much appreciated. Oh, no, of course. We, we had to have you. And at this point, I feel like you're kind of like the internet expert on all things Terra Invicta. And, you know, the, your video series has has expanded my knowledge of the game. And I mean, I'm not saying that I really knew much about it, but I knew better than most. And to see you playing and to kind of see how you do things has been really eye-opening. So I'm really glad to have you all here. Thank you for joining me. And the idea tonight is really to kind of talk about Terra Invicta in all forms and we're really excited. I'm, I'm personally very excited to see just how much hype has been like created around this game. And I think a lot has to do with some really good let's plays from people like yourselves. And, you know, just the fact that there's been like this dearth, like this kind of vacuum for games of this kind of like, you know, depth and strategy, really. So I, I wanted to kind of talk about, well, first, you know, we're going to, we're going to turn to Havoc here as the hooded horse rep and 
and maybe he's already decided on some sort of elevator pitch for this game. And if not, I'm just going to put him, <laughs> I'm going to put him on the spot and I'm going to ask him, you know, for those of you who don't know, for anyone who's out there, who's maybe listening about this and like kind of has an idea of what Terranvict is. Can you give me the elevator pitch? Absolutely. This is from the creators of the Long War mod, which is from XCOM and XCOM 2. After XCOM 2, they broke off and found their own uh, company, Pavonis, and then decided to make this honestly XCOM-ish grand strategy game. Uh, so, the, so the premise is essentially a UFO crashes on Earth in September of 2022. And the resulting aftermath is that you have all these factions that have developed that kind of want to approach it differently. So you have some factions that are straight up resisting, some who want to take advantage of kind of the power vacuum that's creating, even to like, you have the servants who are like, well, these are clearly superior beings. Let's bow down to them and do whatever they want us to, to, you know, the, uh, the academics who are like, you know what? I think we're on par with them. We're equal people. Let's convince them otherwise. Uh, so it's a really cool in-depth 4x grand strategy game that has a strange mix of like rts with turn-based like i would still consider this a turn-based game because you give assignments that last a certain x amount of time so it's a it's a unique blend of all that above my god i don't know if i'd asked you to prepare it if you would have done a better job of explaining it that's a great way to kind of ease us into this and first of all i want to say that it also was a kickstarter game too and the Kickstarter was like wildly successful. Mm -hmm. And to their credit, because a lot of people really, you know, had a lot of good times with the long war mods, as you were talking about, and they're, they had already kind of made a name for themselves. So when they came out with this Pavonis Interactive and they were like, yeah, we're going to do this like grand strategy game. People were like, hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they just threw their money at them, they including did me. <laughs> so I was a Kickstarter at like the $200 tier. And I, I swear on on my grave that like on all you know with all the kickstarters that have ever come out i've never put that much money down for a game i feel a little vindicated here because i feel like all right cool i i saw something here and it's starting to come to fruition and i'm really kind of excited about it but like you were saying too this is this like weird amalgamation of like what was xcom ish and like this like grand strategy thing and this like geopolitical simulator and the cool thing is, is that, you know, as you mentioned, it starts in September of 2022, which just happens to be where we are currently in this timeline, in this universe. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of cool to see, like, what would happen, maybe, like, what could have happened or what might happen if aliens crash landed right now. So, yeah, with that being said, we're all playing it. We've all been playing it on our separate channels. I know that Prune has been playing it in beta and alpha for as long as it exists, really. And we want to talk about it so i was kind of hoping that maybe one of you guys wouldn't mind kind of talking about like maybe some of your favorite aspects of the game like what is it that's drawn you to this game in a way that's that's really kind of taken over all of our our youtube channels and and you know our hearts and minds right now yeah i'll take a shot at that one and it comes back to the scale of what they have tried to do in this title i think when people look at this game, initially they just see the geoscape layer and you're playing a geo strategy game on planet Earth. And then you realize as the hours go by that the game gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It becomes a space sim, it becomes a fleet sim, it becomes about managing space logistics, it becomes a little bit Kerbal Space Program in the sense that you're managing Delta V and optimizing designs on ships. Just the level of depth here is incredible. There are games that have done like playing around with factions on Earth well. There are games that have done fleet combat well. There are very few that have ever set out to stick all of those elements together into one overarching ambitious piece. 
And I think here's the critical part. Even fewer people have actually managed to land something that sort of works as a game once it's done. And I think they've managed to do it. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, I mean, it's been in this like alpha beta state for some time because of the Kickstarter, but uh, surprisingly, there's so many different gameplay mechanics. And I was kind of caught off guard only briefly when Havoc called it a 4X grand strategy game because I've had a hard time, and I know this is like gatekeeping the 4X term, but I've had a hard time saying that it's a 4X game. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like it does kind of start off as a grand strategy game and then moves into what would what most people would consider a 4X game. And when you start to talk about this game as like just an abstract thought, as like a like the elevator pitch like you were talking about, you start to think, well, there's no way that this could actually work. And then it does. <laughs> and you're just like, holy crap, there's a lot to like here. And I think there is a certain niche of people, maybe it's larger than I thought, that really like to be challenged by like new and almost like genre bending ideas when it comes to games like this. And I think that's where a lot of people are really kind of, you know, like they're grasping at this one and really starting to feel like, I mean, there's, there's a real audience here and I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to agree completely. And you know, that's kind of not to, not to toot hooded horses thing here, but uh, that's really what we look after. And that's why Terra Invicta was so enticing is because it wasn't just a turn-based simulation game. It wasn't just a space strategy game. It starts on Earth. It goes into space, but you're still dealing with Earth. You're you have all of those different layers, like was mentioned before. And I'm not gonna lie, I I didn't know how big of an appeal it really had because it was so incredibly complex. It was so much. Oh wow! Like it's an onion that just keeps revealing more and more and more. But I mean, we're seeing a pretty successful launch, and it's really really cool and exciting to see that that appeal was a lot wider than I thought it was. I think it also has something to do with the fact that I don't know how this ended up happening. And you kind of touched on this already. I think it was Rob. There isn't really any games that fill the role of like being the expanse. The only thing I can think of is maybe Aurora 4X, but that game is, I mean, that's just a game that is not going to be for everyone. It's basically an Excel spreadsheet. And yeah, I'm surprised to say this because I think that it's such a natural thing to do to have space limited in the solar system. And there's been a few games like this, maybe like Children of a Dead Earth, you could do some kind of kinetics in space. And I think that was mostly just in the solar system. A few other ones, was it the Neptune Project or the Jupiter Project? I forget the name of the game. But yeah, I don't know. If I want to play something like The Expanse, which was a very successful TV series, and I think that a lot of people really are interested in some a, a game universe that does stuff like that. And this has the nice buildup on Earth before you get to space, but then it becomes about space and you get to build your spaceships. So that's a always an appealing thing when you can design and build your own spaceships. So it has a lot of different things that, I mean, first of all, there's, it's not the first game that's ever done ship design, but uh, it's got very appealing ship design from the perspective that it, it's not an area that people usually cover. Most 4X games in space are, you know, like Stellaris or like thousands of years in the future. So. Yeah, there's almost like an, an ability to like personalize this be, only because, like I said, it's 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 taking place almost current day. I mean, we do talk about future, like it ends up becoming much more broad in the future. But it, there's it's it's kind of cool to feel like you're like at the ground level of what ends up being like the the race of space, like a legitimate race race of space in a in a world and a universe that follows what we know of physics. And 
I don't know. There's some, it, it does personalize it a bit more. You're right. Like it's not quite like Stellaris where you're, you know, there's some super advanced race who's already like spacefaring and going around and doing some crazy stuff and shooting people and dealing with swarms and all that stuff. It's, it's really much more realistic and feels more true to our known universe. And I think that's a lot of where the appeal is. Like for me, I'm I'm always looking for the next game. I'm always looking for the next one that just like kind of gets me, right? I think we all like when we play video games, we want to be like just completely hooked in for whatever reason it is. And Terra Invicta has grabbed me because I feel like it has been difficult to grasp entirely, but I also I like the emergent nature of its storytelling, right? Like no matter how many times you play it, there's gonna be a different way that it it, it all kind of falls down and even if you're playing it the same way, even if you're trying the same strategies, sometimes they don't work. And so it ends up being that other factions, other AI members end up kind of foiling your plans in whatever way. And, and the, the, a lot like Universalis, your like map starts to change and you know your strategy has to adjust and has to basically account for whatever's going on. And I like that about this game a lot. And so I'm kind of opening this up to you guys at this point where... So here is somebody coming to this game, right? And it, it is currently a bit opaque. I'm not going to say that it won't be better before the actual release because we have to remember it's it's still early access. But because it's a bit opaque, I would I would ask you guys, like, what, what would be your ideal starting situation? Because you have seven different factions to choose from, or eight, I forget, seven or eight. It's one of those two. And, you know, there's also a variety of different like nations you can take. And Prune just did a great video on like some of the top nations you should start looking at when you start to control and stuff like that. So help me like kind of help the audience really figure out the best starting scenario in your opinion. Can I take a shot? Absolutely. All right. Do not do what Tortuga did. In terms of faction selection. So let's let's talk about you're coming to this game, you're fresh, you're new, you want to get the most out of it. The first thing you're going to do is choose a faction. And as you've talked about, this is a game of emergent narratives, very different actors, very different motivations. And what Tortuga's done in his series is pick the faction that has by far the hardest way through the game because they sort of have to walk a middle path. Um, I'd recommend choosing something simple. Uh, people know how to shoot aliens, so pick a faction that's probably opposed to them, stick to it. There are more advanced options, less advanced options, so make that decision early on. And the second thing is when you start, I think the ideal is just pick some major powers, whether that's Europe, whether that's America or whatnot, and find a nice developed nation to camp in, get yourself some resources and expand out from there because Terra Invicta is built off relatively close approximations of real world economic data and space programs. So if you want an easy game, as opposed to a really interesting game. And I think this game will have interesting challenges to it. People who want to do, say, Africa-only runs, for example, or something like that that we saw in the beta. But just pick a couple of developed countries, station yourself there, and then really prepare for the race to space. Because if I'm watching people play, I think the biggest trap people fall into is they, they open up this grand strategy game, they see this amazing map, and they're like, aha, I need to take over all these countries and I need to dominate the Earth. Yeah, but it's all for a purpose, and that purpose is getting boost and getting off Earth as soon as possible. And I think if you can avoid that trap uh, and avoid picking the faction that Tortuga did, the Academy, then you probably should be in for a relatively smooth game as long as you swallow your pride. And I'd recommend playing on normal difficulty if you're new to the genre, especially. Yeah, I might supplement that by saying that you might benefit from watching somebody's series online. And I, I mentioned specifically that to point out Perun's. So you could do Humanity first like he's doing and it's one way that I learn games. I think it's a pretty common way to learn games nowadays is just to have someone else's content who's like an expert on it. 
And you could, I, I think that Prune, you probably got a lot of comments about people saying that this is like how they're learning the game, I imagine. And I don't know what faction you played as Havoc, but it might be the same there. You could just check out Havoc's videos, kind of learn along with them. That would be one of my recommendations as well. The great thing about that is that, you know, you could watch just one or two of Prunes, not to say you shouldn't watch the whole thing, but there are spoilers, right? There is like a story, like a, a loose storyline that occurs and, and some things that you probably don't want to see towards the mid to late game if you want to have like an experience that's unique to yourself. But if you, if you just watched the first one or two Prunes video and then you went and saw his his videos on, or the, the recent video where he kind of gives a, an outline on some of the nations that you should start to look at and choose, that would get you a really great kickstart to understanding how the game is played. And maybe you try to avoid some of the like tips and tricks that will kind of make you a little bit OP because, you know, or maybe you do that. Maybe you do start OP. Maybe you, you do take Kazakhstan and some of these other places. Like I, the video that Perun just put out talking about Iraq and Iran and using basically the oil money there to fund your faction, I, I've never even thought of. And when I started doing that, I, I realized it's kind of cheat mode a little bit. So yeah, maybe you do something like that. And you, and if you want to avoid spoilers, just stop at episode two or so. It's just a game. I don't actually encourage looting countries for their wealth. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will also say that the game is incredibly dense. So it took me a little while to get into the game. I'm not going to lie, because if you do the tutorial, it's your first 20 minutes is reading walls of text. It's this is this, this is that. So listening i heard I, I feel like listening to someone explain stuff is a lot easier than reading text box after text box after text box after text box you know uh just going through all the things because there is a lot to comprehend even in your main screen you know like the, the video i did i spent an hour literally just focusing on the very first screen that you look at because there's that much information it is very dense and so if you're looking to get a good tips and tricks whatever you want to do highly recommend looking at Perun or looking at Tortuga. Uh, there's lots of people covering the game. And like you said, they all have their different perspectives. For me, I went after things like boost and science. So those were the countries that I focused on because you realize you have to use boost to get into space before you can start using the space resources or, you know, science. I saw a thing in the Terra Invicta Discord where someone was like, well, in my playthrough, it was like one of the beta testers. I gatekeeped space exploration because I focused on science and I did not let anyone else use the global research to get into space until I was ready in conquering the Earth. So there's just so many ways to approach the game. And I think that makes it extremely interesting and also very, very appealing to us grand strategy players. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that a lot of that is that, you know, the, the systems in place are are there to allow for very different playthroughs, right? And, you know, as Tortuga Power was saying, like, I for me, what I've noticed is that your starting faction should actually be humanity first. I know that's the resistance because that's kind of like the intended playthrough, but humanity first feels like they have a singular focus, and that is to eradicate all aliens and everything that's working with them. And they just for some reason that that general goal feels a lot more achievable and attainable and maybe even just more obvious and so i've i've been recommending people play humanity first as their first playthrough but and that does mean that like you know you can as you start to figure out the game you can start to figure out what strategies work for you i mean what i've also noticed too is that if you have a great cash influx you can create boost programs you can 
insert money into a lot of these things and into a lot of these countries and make them more capable. So, you know, there might be a way to make Africa a very, you know, capable run because you can, you know, as long as you're getting money, you can, you know, start to invest in these countries and, you know, create spaceflight programs and stuff like that. And that, that that's the kind of thing that's, that's what really gets me going is that there are many different ways. I've never even thought about the fact that you could gatekeep space like that. That's awesome. So the fact that there's so many different emergent styles to, to playing this game is what really gets me. So the game gives you so many options that people who are hunting for like an optimum play style are probably going to be frustrated. So many people are trying to play in the ideal fashion, but this game has so many technologies, so many openings, so many options available to you that it will take months for us to discover even just the primary sort of meta, if you will, that people can follow and evolve. So if people are watching playthroughs and saying, hey, my playthrough doesn't look like that one, my nations are not doing the same thing, or I'm two years late into space, well, maybe it's because you've done more research on Earth. Maybe you've developed your countries better. Maybe you've been less single-minded in your focus. So I think this game gives you a lot of op options. Yes, that means it gives you a lot of rope to potentially hang yourself, and it can occasionally be brutal. But at the same time, I think the design team have been pretty smart in inserting mechanisms that are there to, I suppose, challenge players who are trying to break the system as much as possible and give a little more slack to those that are a little, a little slower off the mark, so to speak. I, I would add spoilers there, but I won't, I won't explain exactly what those systems are. I also think that RNG is a part of it too. If you're trying to play exactly the best way, this game is very RNG heavy and, you know, the best laid plans of Mice and Men and all that. Yeah, I mean, I, I experienced this in several of my playthroughs where I had a, a plan and I, I do a little bit of the min-max thing. I try to play pretty efficiently, but yeah, I've been thrown off the path many times by, you know, just getting, yeah, there's so many different die rolls in this game. And if your goal, even if you're, you know, it's the XCOM thing, right? Even if you have a 90% chance well, that means 90%, so you're going you're gonna to fail it 1 in 10 times. So, you know, the 1 in 10 times you fail, okay, well, now my plan, actually, it was pivotal that I get that, and, or someone else took it in front of me. You do have to dance a little bit, you know, adapt on the fly. And somebody was also mentioning that, or even Rob, when you talk about emergent gameplay, you know, so you're dealing with RNG in a big way, and that, that can be frustrating, but that's part of the game. So I, I try to settle into more of a laid back, just let it happen. I think you enjoy the game a lot more that way, not trying to min-max too heavily. You mentioned that RNG, that's a huge part of it. I mean, to, to do the whole XCOM, like there's a perfect point in my game where XCOM 2 went right in my face. I had, you know, you, you boost your chances of success. I had like a 98% chance of success to like control a nation point. And then when it came time for that to complete, I'm not kidding you, the dice roll was 99%. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and so from that perspective, it is a little bit more frustrating. That's what I think makes it as emergent as it is because there are dice rolls and, and you know, that's just the way things go. And I was just playing today and I was trying to take France. I was trying to do the EU thing and I couldn't take France. I ended up, you know, losing France out to, I think Exodus actually. And if it were the Academy, I'd feel a little better about it, but it was the Exodus and I realized, okay, then that can't be my strategy anymore. I have to shift focus and now I have to find out where I can go. And, you know, it, it ended up making it much more fun because I had this set idea of how I was going to play the game. And once things started to play out and they weren't working in my favor, I was like, okay, now I'm going to pause this game for a second and I'm going to figure out what it is my next spot is and where it is that I can still make an impact and still try to get this like foothold that I need 
I, I was I was just really enjoying it. And even though it wasn't it felt like a failure at some level, like I felt like I'd 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 lost in some way, it still felt fun. And I think that's 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 such a hard thing to get. And it goes beyond just the the classic XCOM rolling a 99 on your 98% chance and missing sort of dice roll. It's the chance that drives that strategic map that develops the environment you're operating in. I think the two two big examples of this, which other factions are dominant on the Earth map might be completely different playthrough to playthrough. It's not always going to be the servants dominating this area or whatnot. So the situation you're operating in will be different pretty much every game. And the other big one is that so much of this game, the, the, the arc of development is about getting space resources so that you can overcome gravity, develop your presence in space. But those resources are randomly generated at game start and you only find them out later. So if you send a probe to the moon thinking, hey, I'm going to get my water on the moon and expand to Mars using it, and you roll a moon that has no water on it, well, you're going to have to adapt pretty quickly. Maybe you're instead going to have to beeline the asteroids research and go to series and turn your, turn your entire game into an episode of The Expanse, something like that. So it's not just individual dice rolls, which I agree force you to adapt. It's that the whole game is pretty good at giving you a slightly different environment to play in every time you restart. Yeah, that's a great point because also too, you know, each time you start the game, the public opinion is different in every country, right? So one time you might have a, a humanity first might be of the majority of the public opinion in Russia. So it might be just, you know, it might behoove you to go to Russia because the public opinion is already there and you can just capitalize on that. You know, it's almost like, you know, maps that are randomly generated and stuff like that, where that's where I like 4X games is that you're most of the time you're going into a game without a map that's pre-made and you're exploring these new maps the same kind of thing happens in terra victa like you're you start a game and you you have a, a variety of different things that while there's still some things that are always gonna be the same right there's the countries that are always gonna be superpowers and stuff like that there's going to be a variety of different things that might shift your strategy in a certain direction like you said sometimes luna doesn't have water right so i really like that about this game and I think I could talk about what I like about this game a lot. And I think that we're we're really touching on most of the stuff that makes Terra Victor or games like this fun. But I'm curious to know too, like I, I also want to start to look at it critically a little bit and we can come back to what we like about it. And of course, we'll get to that point. We'll keep coming back, I'm sure, because we all like this game very much. But is there anything to you that likes, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the tutorial and the onboarding thing, because I think that's something that we can all agree on that needs to be at least some in some fashion addressed but is there anything in particular that kind of sticks out to you right at this point in early access that you feel like needs to be shored up or polished a bit i don't know if this is something that could be shored up or polished but i think that there might be one element of the game which uh, just feels a just a slightly off i wouldn't say this is a, a very critical comment but it's actually kind of plays off of something that perun was saying that people get kind of fixated on the world i think that the the world building feels to me it drags on a little bit too long it's considering the main like fun of the game i mean there's a lot of fun in the geopolitical area on the earth but it takes like maybe like 10 hours of gameplay uh, i'm just throwing that number out there it could be wildly different than that but it takes quite a while to get to space and space is i think where the main fun is you know that's where you're going to fight aliens mostly you know you do fight them and shoot them on the earth too but um, i think it, it just takes a little bit too long to get to the mid game which, by the way, is super appropriate for the makers of the Long War, because I do have an XCOM Long War series there. I mean, campaign that I'm will never ever finish and probably have 80 hours in already. But that's, I think it's something to point out that it takes a long time to get to 
the mid game. I, I think I was listening to Perun's video and he said, oh yeah, we're, we're still in the early game. And it's like, what? <laughs> this is an early game. <laughs> this is like 12 hours in. <laughs> so that's maybe one comment I have. I'll pick up there on the, the pacing question because that's something that's definitely evolved over the course of the beta. And I suggest there might still be ways to change it without removing the, the long war nature. I bet they'll learn from the early access period. But one example of a, a simple change you could implement in that area is towards the start of the game, there's an event which halves the number of turns you play per given unit time. Originally, you're playing one turn per week, then you're playing one turn per fortnight. You could easily add another one of those events that makes it one turn per month after another period of time, and that would dramatically reduce the number of turns in the early game. Just one suggestion. In terms of sort of things that the game is working on, very early on in the beta, I think I put up the idea that there were sort of four things to work on. One was the AI, one was the UI, one was balance, and I think the final one was controls, particularly the space controls. The people who are playing early access now do not know what the AI of this game was once like. It was it was once completely lost. It was it was pretty dumb. It has become almost brutally intelligent over the course of the beta period, and I suggest it will probably continue to evolve. So that, I think, proves that Pavonis and Hooded Horse know how to increment this game. I think they're using early access properly. In terms of balance, I think it's improving as well. They're learning from what players do, and I think EA is going to be really useful for that process. So for example, it used to be possible to get basically industrialize the entire inner solar system and build a giant network of space factories and satellites and have hundreds of mission control and a massive economy. But as long as you didn't shoot the aliens, they would just let you do your thing. And when you finally declared war on them, you'd be like, haha, we are superpowered humanity. They changed that. They edited it. They made the aliens more proactive at dealing with players that were getting out of control. So those areas, I think, are really improving. I am interested to see what gets done with sort of the, the UI, the controls, the sort of user-friendliness side of things. And I think a lot of lessons will probably come out of early access there. I'd have to agree wholeheartedly. And I absolutely love your idea of having the time again to, to once a month. Because there does come to a point where, you know, like, for instance, if you in the early, I say early game, the early space race, I should say, it may take, you know, 180 to... 545 days for something to be built and when every single turn is two weeks that's a heck of a lot of turns before you see something come to fruition and so yeah once a month would drastically improve it i think if you went any further than that then it would be just a little bit too much and things would go a little too fast so you kind of like that idea of balancing time but then of course it's the, the also once you get to the point, I'm just now uh, getting to the point where I'm learning space combat and who oh boy is that is that a doozy and a half to me. I think it's at the point now where I don't have the technology to maneuver and I think that's that's my hold up. And so I think that's that's one thing that they're going to have to figure out, too, is, you know, with the beta backers and stuff, you have people who either were involved in long war, have that, you know, grand strategy, super complex mindset and while that has its place, you've now opened up things to the general public. And let's face it, a majority of people are not going to understand those mechanics. And to be quite frank at the moment, going back to tutorials and onboarding, space combat is not well explained. And to be quite frank, I only have guns like on the nose of the ship. I don't know how the heck I'm going to hit my enemy. So I think moving forward, figuring out how to make that early game a little bit faster but then also figuring out how to 
I won't say dumbed down because I don't feel like people are stupid or anything, but just figuring out how to, to really make that common denominator to make space combat a little more accessible, I guess, is where I want to go with it. So The advantage you have is the underlying space combat system, I think, is really good. It's about making it more controllable and easy to understand. Like the actual simulation side of things is is quite deep, quite interesting. I think if it was if it ever had multiplayer capability, space combat would be fascinating. And it also it's it's really immersive. We we talked about comparing this game to like Stellaris and other sci-fi titles. I actually think there's a great feeling in Terra Invicta of launching your first ship with terrible like current modern day technology with guns that have been ripped off Navy ships on Earth or, or just hacked together with whatever we've got, throwing them up against the aliens and getting absolutely squashed. And then, you know, getting some actual weapons, building a ship, firing, shooting down the aliens, feeling like you're amazing before you realize that those weren't actually alien warships, they were alien scout ships, and then getting your, you know, your fleet destroyed by the first warship that comes along. So the system, the arc, the narrative, I think, is really there. It's about, I think, iterating the controls and the way players are introduced to those systems. I think that you guys all have great points. I think to Tortuga's point, and then, of course, what I think Perun was, was suggesting, I think that's fantastic because I, I've seen many comments on almost all of the Let's Plays that I've seen about how the early game feels like it drags out a little bit. And I see, maybe from a spectator's perspective, I can see that for sure. And even as a player... I start to feel like I kind of get tired of what's going on on Earth, right? Like the geopolitics thing is cool and it's really exciting for a while. And then, all right, now we're in space and I don't really want to deal with with Earth anymore because, I mean, I, I know I need to at some level, but I want to focus more on my efforts to colonizing Mars and getting ships made and starting to develop those weapons that can actually take out the aliens and stuff like that. Those are the things that I want to start focusing on more towards the game, the you know, mid to late game. and. I feel like the geopolitical scene starts to become almost a hindrance, like almost an annoyance, really. And, you know, there are some things I don't want to talk about. We're going to get into spoiler stuff at the end of this, like, you know, and maybe address some of the stuff that's a little bit more spoilery there. But, you know, there's still things that you have to address on Earth, and I won't tell you what those are, but, you know, they just, again, they feel kind of like, the gnat, right? The gnat's is like flying around and you, you, okay, I have to take care of that real quick and then get back to what I think now is the most fun part, which is, you know, developing those ships, developing those weapons, you know, making sure my new base on Mars is doing well and I'm getting stuff out and I'm actually creating ships in space and stuff like that. And that's where I think my main bugbear is. And I think that the idea that you can get to a point where you're only doing that once a month is this, I mean, I don't even know why that hasn't been implemented yet, to be honest. That's a freaking amazing, it's a great idea. So, you know, the other thing too, I would say is to almost Havoc's point in some way is that my frustration too can be that, you know, you could have lost the game at hour 10 and not know it until hour 20. And that part frustrates me too, because I understand that's that's part of like the genre itself, right? There are things that you have to start to think of in the long term and the decisions you're making now will affect the rest of the game. But I think Terra Invicta maybe feels that a little bit more than some games and that sometimes I have made the wrong research choices or I have, you know, maybe I stuck with the wrong nations or I really haven't been doing enough with my counselors or whatnot. And, you know, I don't notice that until hour 20 when I'm way behind the eight ball and I'm getting crushed. And I just feel like there's a point at which you can't really recover from that. So 
those are the two things. And then, of course, the onboarding and tutorializing that I know that's going to be beaten to death at this point. But I don't know if you can really fix the last part, the last thing. I think maybe you can ease it just a little bit, maybe provide some sort of like in-game event that if something is going just drastically horribly wrong, that you can have the option of maybe, you know, saving it somehow. But, you know, those are the things to me that stand out the most as far as like what I see of, of things that need to be shored up or maybe polished or worked on during early access. They could always add more like rubber bands to pull people who are too far ahead back and to you know, pull people who are behind forward. But I actually haven't experienced that where I've lost a game. But it makes sense, by the way, because again, this is uh, the makers of the Long War. And the original Long War, this was, I mean, just a common complaint about it is you could lose the game. The alien could get way far ahead and you <laughs> you wouldn't know it and for another 20 hours or so. I mean, yeah, I think that it was actually much, much worse in the Long War, but that was a mod. So maybe that's a little forgivable there. So I'm, I'm, I haven't experienced losing the game and getting behind. And they do have some rubber band mechanics with like, control points you can't you know if people are getting too big they'll be going over their control point limit and then they'll be uh, more susceptible to some operations yeah i think i think it's usually possible to dig yourself out of almost any situation in terror invicta but you need to be prepared for the emotional journey that has that is having a lot of your hard work undone so Amen. for example it is possible to recover from being kicked off from earth entirely like if you are at a point of the game where you have a space presence, I've seen it done where you lose control of every nation on Earth and you get back onto Earth from space. You can have other factions spreading their tentacles over everything. And I'm trying to avoid spoiler territory here, but you can be in a really, really bad situation. And maybe the solution is just to reduce Earth to a nuclear fireball, turn it into the Fallout universe, and then sort of hack and recover and try and fight some way to the finish. So... I think the developer has been pretty brave in making sure that the aliens or your opponents, because you could be playing a faction that's on the side of the aliens. And the only faction I've ever seen, I don't think I've ever seen lose a game, is if you're playing the servants and you're on the same side as the aliens, you are going to win the game. So if you don't like ever falling behind and you want to guarantee that you're going to win, just work with the aliens. So there's, there's a solution there. But I think the game can be brutal. It's more brutal on higher difficulty levels, but it does give you ways to try and climb out of the pit if you do fall behind. And the final training wheel is actually, I think, the other factions. If you're picking bad research and falling behind, a lot of the factions are probably on the same side as you. They're still generating research. They're still developing their economies. So like I said, it's a complex game. It's a difficult one. It can throw you some curveballs. There's usually a way to scratch your way out of it, but you're right. You can sometimes end up in a bit of a death spiral, but I don't think it's as bad as Long War was. Long War was brutal. Maybe I have a question for you, Rob. Did you actually try to keep playing? Because some, there's also another effect here that when you feel like you're losing a game, I feel like the game becomes less fun to play. And it's always fun to know what to do. And I think a lot of games out there, they kind of encourage this. Uh, it's almost like a roguelike effect where you, you play, you lose, you get better. And I don't think that a game which has like a 12-hour early game uh, is probably well suited for that, but <laughs> um, you might play it that way where you, you decide, okay, this game I'm I did poorly. I'm getting to the point where I don't think I can do well, and I might just be better off restarting. But is that the point you got to, or did you actually like you fully lost? Man, I feel I feel really targeted here, and it's because you hit the nail on the head. Really, I mean, guilty as charged. I got into it, and it's probably been since the beta period, later beta periods where. Yeah, I was in a situation where I just felt like it was going to be, you know, like like Prune said, like scratching my way out. And 
I do like a challenge, right? I certainly like to be challenged. I like to maintain some brain power you know, and like try to consider like that, that there are games that are going to require me to think instead of just play. But I don't like to be challenged to the point where I feel like I'm not having fun anymore. And I think that's where it was, is that I just, you know, I, I'm sure that if I had the, like, the wealth of knowledge or, like, the, the many hours of play that maybe perhaps the two of you have, that I may have been able to scratch my way out of it. But given how I think that might have been my my second or third game, you know, given how few games I'd had under my belt and, you know, how little time I'd had learning some of the gameplay mechanics, I just, I reached a point where I just wasn't having fun anymore. So, yeah, guilty as charged. No, I think it's actually a good point, though, because... I am fairly familiar with the game and Prume, I think he's a, a gosh darn expert, but when I'm not an expert, I at least try, I'm, I'm very try hard. I try to look for all the, the right min-max of the formulas and to do this optimally. And it does take extra time and all that. So we're not necessarily the typical players and you're actually a very good baseline player. You can speak more to like what normal people or your average <laughs> player is going to be playing like, uh, you know, I'm. I actually analyze formulas and do the math, so it's just not how everyone's going to play. <laughs> so, to, to your credit, you're you're a better representation of what the the normal gamer is going to experience. So, I will say too that the pacing of the game too makes it a little bit more difficult to want to claw yourself out, right? So, because of the way the turns are set up right now, that when you know you have this like goal, right, where you like, okay, I'm I'm so far behind, okay, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever reason that you've fallen behind. You say, okay, this is how I'm going to regroup. And getting to the point where you can regroup and start to come back to getting closer to your goal or achieving whatever it is you need or getting that research or building those ships or, you know, maintaining your presence on Mars or into series or whatever it is you're doing, right? It's It feels like it takes too long. So like, while it's okay, I mean, and still we talked about pacing being an issue, even when you're doing well it feels even more difficult to swallow when you're not doing well and you're having to pull yourself out. So that was part of the thing too, is that I really was kind of just, I was like, well, I mean, do I really want to sit here for like another five hours and try to dig myself out? Or do I want to just restart and take what I've learned and maybe the next time will be better. So that's kind of where it was for me. Well, I think there's a completely valid approach to doing that, to starting over. Like, yeah, you could claw your way out, but you know, if, if you don't want to exactly like you said, spend another five or six hours being like, okay, what did I learn from this? And you know what? I have all that knowledge. I can go back in time as it were. Um, now admittedly things might be completely dif different since things are procedurally generated, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, you can start over and be like, okay, well, at least I know this not to do like not to do this specific thing. Or I know even something as simple, like I'm not going to lie. I was 20 hours into the game total before I figured out that there was a, a system planet ledger. Like that sounds really basic and that sounds really dumb, but like for part of my stream for two hours, I was wondering where one of the asteroids is that had a lot of noble metals and I couldn't find it. And I was like, well, maybe one day I'll find it again. And then I discovered the planner. And like, had I known that, Two hours beforehand, I could have been exploring differently. I could have been sending probes earlier, which would have gained me more resources earlier, that kind of a deal. And so I think there's a completely valid idea of, yeah, I dumped 10 hours into this game, but I'm not doing that well. I know more things, so I should start over. And that turns a lot of people off. And I think if you're not a typical grand strategy person, like you don't play 
Paradox games or you haven't played The Long War, you're going to get frustrated by that. You're going to get frustrated that you lost your first time and you dumped all this time and you have to start over. Uh, but I don't know. I think that's a really good way to learn. It's a really good way to utilize early access, especially from the developer publisher side. Uh, so yeah, starting over, I think is completely valid. And I would not ever shame anyone for starting over. A quick comment about that. I think it'd also be a lot easier to start over once they, I, I think, I hope that this early game drag problem will be looked at and addressed. And then if that was somehow handled a little bit differently, a little bit smoother, I think it would be a lot more exciting to start games. But I, I myself for right now, I, I do feel a little bit of a, yeah, a little hesitance to start a new game, knowing that it's going to be, you know, eight hours of game time before I get back to the things which are now, I mean, I've, I've kind of, I have an idea of how to do the early game geopolitical dance. So knowing that it'll be like eight hours to get back to space is, uh, it's a, you know, it's obviously a little bit of an obstacle. I don't want to like force anyone to play a certain way. And I don't, I certainly don't think that like, you know, there are, there's absolutely players or I'm certain of it. There's players out there that like the pacing of the game as it stands. So I think that in what's probably in Pavonis's best interest is to just create a variety of different game speeds, or maybe even just have the option of like things speeding up at some point to the point where the turns are a month instead of two weeks, you know, those, I mean, options are great, right? <laughs> you don't ever want to just like completely cut off somebody from playing the game they want to. And I know that's what mods are for too. So I'm really excited about the modding future for Terra Invicta because I just, you know, I know that that's something that they've really kind of, they came up that way, right? They were modders to begin with. So I know that that's part of like their like mission is to make sure that Terra Invicta is moddable and, and easy to mod. But yeah, if, as long as there's some options, I think that'll always, that'll you can appease a lot of players that way. There's also the new scenarios that are being worked on as well. Havoc can correct me as to what the long-term plan for these is, but I understand there's discussion around having, I think it's called the foothold scenario, which is set where by the time the aliens arrive, it's not 2022, it's humanities in the very early stages of space colonization. So for players who want to jump straight into that stage of the game, that scenario would be available to them. And they're working on the Cold War scenario, which I don't know how long that one will take because you'll have to develop from 1980s tech up to something that can deal with the alien invasion. I don't know how long that game will be. Maybe that one's for the uh, people who want to play the true 60, 70 hour campaigns. Right. Yeah. So all of these new scenarios are obviously part of the Kickstarter. They were Kickstarter goals, et cetera. So for verification, you can totally go to the Kickstarter page and see that. But yeah, I agree. I think it'll be really, really interesting. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if more people started playing that already established one where, you know, I don't, I don't, I think it's like 2050 or something like that. Like it's, it's like humans have completely colonized the solar system. And then that's when the aliens come in. But I agree with you also like the cold war, like are the aliens going to be a little more primitive? Because at this point in my campaign, it's 2032 and their military power is hundreds of times more powerful than I am. So you rewind to 70s and 80s tech. I don't know how that early game will go, nor do I can wrap my head around how we'll eventually be able to overcome it, I guess. You know, is it going to be more nuclear focused? Are we going to see an alternate history thing where nuclear power becomes the most central thing and that's how tech progresses? Uh, there'll be a lot of interesting scenarios. And I honestly think that's going to increase on top of mods, the longevity of the game. You know, mods are always the best thing. Scenarios are always well-received. Well, for the most part with grand strategy players. So there's lots of options and there's lots of different ways that they're going to approach it. And it's going to be really, really cool to see. 
I fear the coming of the Cold War scenario, not because I don't think it's amazing, but it's because that'll become, I'm like a 1936 Hearts of Iron player. I, I can't not start from the earliest start point. So I know that that'll be like the new norm for me. I'll always have to play the Cold War. You know, there's a running joke on the Explorate podcast that when things are like extraordinarily detailed and like to the point where like 99.9% of the population on this planet wouldn't want anything to do with it, we call it a Tortuga Power Game. Yep, we do. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like anytime something is unnecessarily difficult to understand or detailed, we're just like, yep, that's a Tortuga Power Game. And I, uh, I totally wholeheartedly agree that you will be a Cold War start every time. It's kind of interesting um, because we haven't actually advanced that much in our knowledge or application of rockets and space and all this. We're, we're actually kind of the same way we were in the Cold War. So I, I'm not sure how the tech progression will work. Certainly land, um, like Earth-based science has improved a lot. But I don't know, after the Apollo series wound down, what kind of rocket developments did we have from the 90s on? I don't really think much happened. But maybe Perun knows better. I was going to say, the first engine that I'd recommend people use in the game, the Nerva, the nuclear engine for rocket vehicle application, that's, a, I think, a 1970s prototype design. And it's in, it's something you have to develop in the 2022 game because they put it on a shelf during the Cold War. So, you know, there's there's definitely options there. The point that I was going to pick up on, though, was what Tortuga said, which is you always want to play the earliest start. And I think there are a lot of players like that who are always going to want to play the earliest start, hence the excitement for the Cold War scenario. But also... I find it interesting that very few players want to hit easy difficulty. They'll they'll say a game is very difficult or very challenging or not forgiving enough, but really difficult to get them to turn the difficulty level down below normal. And I'm wondering how you handle that from a game design perspective, especially with something like Terra and Victor, that you want to be you want to be brutal, you want to be unforgiving, you want to be challenging for the people who are coming to it from sort of that that long war lineage or the spreadsheet warriors like Tortuga, but at the same time make sure there are options there for people who want a little bit more forgiving and experience, but don't want to play the faction that worships the aliens. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I honestly think a majority of it is just, you don't want to admit that you had to turn it down to easy to have fun. Uh, there's kind of this persona, especially among grand strategy games, where you're not having fun if you're not doing the meta. Like, you know, that's kind of the vocal minority in essence, where the meta is where you have fun. And, and so to say that, well, I, I turned it down to easy so that I could understand the game better. I don't think there's a problem with that. Now, for me personally, I do like a challenge, uh, if, even if it brings frustration. But at the same time, I recognize that there's a point where I don't enjoy it. So I kept it at normal, and I don't think that's a problem. Honestly, after this, I might just play it on easy and see what it's like. Uh, but yeah, from a, from a developer standpoint, I think almost encouraging people to start on easy, especially with Terra Invicta, would be a good a good thing. Somehow saying, hey, this game is intense. And if you are new to any of this side of, of gaming, start with easy. There's nothing wrong with it. No one's going to shame you. Your your opinions don't matter any less to us. Uh, you know, just play it on easy and be okay with doing that. Funny, because this also came up in another game that I have played called Shadow Empire. And that one, the normal game difficulty is like extremely hard. And I think that this is really kind of a an optics thing, or I don't know how to say it, a marketing or something. I think that people, because they don't want to play on anything, uh, somebody who comes from most games and plays them on normal or on hard does not like to play on easy. It's like a reflection of self type thing, and, and it shouldn't be. So I think that one solution to this might be just 
fluff, literally just fluff, add in some BS difficulties that are like insanely easy below normal to make that normal is you know, actually what, what people expect it to be. Make it easy. So right now, another thing is the game doesn't have an easy, it has cinematic. And most people don't really understand what that means. They probably look at that and are like, what, what does that mean? So they don't actually have an easy game mode. What I think they might be able to do, get away with is, cause they have like a, a hard and an, an extreme or something like that, which I've never played on. I think easy, I mean, sorry, um, the normal game difficulty is, is pretty good for me. They might just consider arbitrarily, like artificially making the current game thing hard and making the cinematic normal and then making an even easier one on cinematic. I don't know, it's kind of like a, it's a weird thing. It's like a play, it's basically people have defined easy and normal to mean different things and people who play on normal and hard they just don't like playing on easy so just kind of to serve them you could just remap the game difficulty names if that makes any sense i kind of understand what you guys like you don't have street cred if you don't do it the right way right like you, there's like this community of strategy gamers that like if, if you're not playing things on a harder difficulty you're not a, you're like good enough i don't know you're not strategy enough i don't know it's i totally agree with you and i think that if you were to maybe just yeah recategorize what you've already got and maybe make something a little bit easier for people who could just i mean it would help with the onboarding stuff too as well so those are all really good points i think that for the most part the idea of moving forward is to i think from what they were saying on the roadmap and what touch to kind of touch on what havoc was saying is that there's you know still some kickstarter goals that need to be met you know like i said this thing was wildly successful on kickstarter so the idea would be to to meet those stretch goals and then it sounds like they have some ideas on how to improve the ai even further and also shore up some of the like i guess some of the like the small things that they're already aware of some of like the weird bugs and weird things and weird you know perfect combination of events that just aren't really working too well but i i mean personally i'm, I'm just really excited to see where terran victor goes i i will really kind of just reiterate what I said in the beginning and saying that I'm just super glad to see that it's it's being received so well. I, I I was nervous that it was a game that would go over too many people's heads because of how deep it is and how hard the like how big the barrier to entry is. But it's really it's really just I mean I, I love seeing videos, you know, like fifty thousand views in. And I was like, wow, like that that's that's just not much that's just way more than I expected. So Look, if all else fails, I have a save file that I can share with the entire community in which I think a random event destroys the only resource generation buildings the aliens start the game with a few months after game start. And as a result, the aliens can never develop. So at that point, you can basically do whatever. You're almost guaranteed to win. That has now been patched. So that random event with like a one in a million chance cannot, in fact, stop the entire alien invasion by itself. Dang it. Um, but, is, that the, um, is that the motivated water one? That's the motivated water. So yeah, the aliens suffered an ice quake on their one mine like three months into the game or whatever. And as a result, their development was completely hamstrung. So I'll save that one. And if anyone ever wants to get the achievements for like winning the game super easy, I can just send that one around. Because <laughs> you can play until like 2100 and they'll be at like the development level they're meant to be at in like the 2030s. Prune's got the easy mode save. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> All right. At this point, if you don't want to be spoiled by anything, I would go ahead and suggest turning this off <laughs> as much as I don't want you to turn this off. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Turn back now. 
if you don't want to be spoiled. Is there anything you guys have seen or like, I mean, I, I kind of just am interested in hearing stories really at this point, because I know that there's like, you know, like we said, all these different combination of events that can lead to some wild stuff. Have you guys seen anything pretty wild towards the mid to late game that you're just like, wow, like that's, that's damn cool. Or wow, that was wild. I'm just going to scream one spoiler very loud before the stories start. Every, all these players come out and they're really confused. Why am I losing my control points? Why are my nations just flipping? I was protecting them and everything. And they don't realize that the alien agents have their ability to use mind control and flip nations. And as a result, players get very frustrated thinking like, oh, the AI is cheating. No, the AI just has silly alien tricks that you have to develop counters against. And it's meant to be frustrating and annoying. But until the player works that out, they just find the game super frustrating. So that's the spoiler that I always sit on that I want to yell from the top of every building. It's like, <laughs> enthrall and terrorize missions exist, guys. You need to discover the alien agents and you need to put them in the dirt. Otherwise, you will lose your slowly created, beloved European super state or whatever it is you've happened to build over the course of the game. It's wild how different your counselors need to be towards that period where they start to need to be able to assassinate those things. And a lot of ops are used at that point, right? Like, I mean, that's what I like about the the mid game is that the shift with, with a lot of that stuff comes like it, it just, it really shifts and you know, you still need the, the public opinion. You still need all that stuff, but man, you know, all of a sudden you're using ops constantly and you're, you're doing surveil locations and you're trying to get, you're trying to find these bastards and yeah, it, it, it feels like XCOM at that point. It really does. At some level, it feels a lot more like XCOM. Yeah, and the lull at some point, the lull in the game flips because we've talked about that sort of dip in the late 2020s where the game sort of drags on Earth. And then suddenly you're in the 2030s and like assault carriers are landing and armies are dispersing and the alien administration is, is coming out of the woodwork. And suddenly Earth is a real difficult thing to manage again. So... Maybe maybe there's just a gap in the late 2020s that needs to be filled some way. Yeah, I agree. I think that's actually a really good point because the 2030s start to feel more exciting again. And I and then once you start to get a hold of that again, there's still that lull as you start to make your way more towards space again. But I think that yeah, when when you start having the megafauna and stuff like that, it's just it's I mean, it just really feels like this like a much different game, a very unique game that I've just never tried or played anywhere else. And when you start having like these giant alien monsters, like, you know, that you have to send you know, huge brigades after and they still lose. I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's cool. And I, when you don't expect it, when you're, when you haven't done that before and you know, you're, you're playing along and like you said, you know, you get frustrated because you're like losing, you're like, what, what's going on? Like, I just lost France. How the hell did that happen? And you know that it's not somebody else, but you don't know what's going on. And yeah, that, that whole, like, unfolding of events is is one of the best moments i've had in, in gaming yeah i would simply agree i mean the uh, i don't really have that many spoilers to talk about but i think that just the the story arc in this i'm just going to regurgitate Perun was already saying but it's just my way of echoing and agreement what he was saying like how you slowly have first you have the, the plants the you know, alien plants appearing and then you don't the first time you play especially you don't really know what you're doing you don't know why they're there and then suddenly if you're reading the text, and there's a lot of text to read, but it's um, it's well written. You you see that they're talking about how the the mech, this Godzilla type thing is actually made of a plant matter, or they presume it was constructed by just absorbing a lot of plant matter. And the, those little kind of things were the progression of the game. Like now, next time you play, you can kind of look for it. But the first time it happens, it's very very cool. Like the, there's a lot of things in this game which are very very cool when you understand them. 
Now, I hope that those kind of things also aren't frustrating, like we were talking about the um, alien agents flipping countries, um, because it's it's a, on one hand, it's very cool, but I hope that that doesn't turn off people to the game like early enough on, they get so frustrated, because I have seen people who basically just stop playing games when they get frustrated by them like that. I don't know what kind of carrot you would need, or maybe it's just an acceptable loss in, in player population that those guys didn't stick it out. I don't know. But yeah, that's kind of an interesting challenge how um, the developers or the game designers deal with that. I can see it now, the not recommended reviews on Steam, you know, I've lost all of my nations and I don't know why, you know, like this game's cheating, you know, it sucks. Yeah, it's not cheating. It's not cheating. In fact, in fact, Johnny and, and Pavonis are very clear, the aliens follow rules just like the player does. They have a really frustrating grinding economy running in the background. It just, it feels like they're cheating because they have all these tools available to them, which makes sense, right? Because they're a super advanced, you know, species that has the ability to come to our solar system. Like they're not going to be using sticks and stones. I think the difficulty is you want an alien race or an adversary, and that they are an adversary for most factions, not for all factions, but for most factions that can elicit that sense of terror, the idea that we are outmatched, that we're inadequate, because that's the only way you get that arc of development. You know, the same way you do in XCOM, where you start, you're shooting at people with M16s and you're massively outgunned. And by the end of it, you have plasma rifles and whatnot. So you need the aliens to be horrifying, scary, genuinely threatening, but you don't want players to get so frustrated at how scary they are that they stop playing. And I don't envy the job of a game designer in balancing that sort of feeling. I think the game does a really good job of it as it is. I think it does a better job now than it did in the early parts of the beta where the aliens just like they just came and smashed you basically. Um, but yeah, no, it's an interesting challenge. I'd love to hear what Havoc has to say on it. Yeah. So I, I will say that uh, you, you nailed it on the head. You, you want an alien force, but I think a lot of players who might quit too early want an alien force that, you know, is kind of more of just a presence there. Like, I'm not going to lie as, as I'm progressing through the game, you know, there's, there's five alien vessels just orbiting earth. They're not doing anything. They're just orbiting Earth. And you're just getting this overwhelming sense of why haven't they attacked? What are they going to do? Maybe I can go after them with my little five ships. And then you compare powers and it's just like, oh, okay, I have 48 power. They have 1,200. Oh, my goodness. Um, but I also I want to say that like despite that, despite that early level grind that no doubt so many people have seen or experienced that uh, I think in the first day, the launch was around 4,800 concurrent players. That has peaked now to over 7,000. So what I think you're seeing is that people being like, oh yeah, oh wow, this is really overwhelming. But maybe they watch Twitch streams. They're, they're watching Tortuga. They're watching Perun. They're watching everything and being like, oh, this is a lot better than I thought. Yeah, I, I can see that. I'm going to have to slog through a little bit of it. But there's clearly something positive that's happening because you don't typically see a launch for a strategy game that then grows in its first week. Because even some of the most successful strategy games will see a player drop in the first week. People play it, they either refund it or they move on to something else. So whatever is going on positively within the game is affecting and actually drawing more people in. So I think they're doing a great thing here. And uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting thing to see how development continues throughout early access. Let me give one example of something that drew players in that perhaps caught the developers off guard, at least from my position watching the beta. I get the sense that Pavonis wanted to build a grand strategy space game. They wanted all the focus to be on space. 
and they added this unification mechanic where you could join countries together, like unify the EU or whatever, basically as an afterthought. And then they discovered that basically every everyone in the beta, like half the player population, only cared about how big a mega nation they could build on planet and just demanded more and more options to build bigger United States in Africa or North America or Asia or whatever, and started competing to build the, the giant map painting simulator in true sort of paradox interactive style. And I think eventually we managed to sort of browbeat Johnny and the development team into sort of leading into that feature a little bit more to stop nerfing it and actually let players enjoy their map painting instinct. And I think that's an example of maybe that's not the game they set out to build, but it's something that players really attach to. And I'm interested to see how they continue to develop that side of things. Wait, so this game is not meant to be played like Europe or... Europe no, it's, it's, apparently it's not. And then Johnny used to get really frustrated as being like, guys, you're not meant to be spending all your time like map painting. And we were like, but we want to map paint. And he'd be like, but what about the aliens? No, ignore the aliens. We want to map paint. Well, I, what else can you do for the first eight hours of... Okay, let's, <laughs> you can just cut this, Rob. <laughs> we, 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 we beat it. It's a dead horse now, but... Guys, this has been a great discussion. And as we kind of wind things down here a little bit, I was just curious to know, I mean, are there any parting thoughts you guys have as far as, you know, the state of Terra Invicta or just how you've enjoyed yourself or anything like that that you want to throw out there as we, we wrap things up? Whenever we're putting forward ideas as to how to improve it, the reason is because there's something special here to improve. And if you look at how the game has evolved over the course of the beta and the scale that it has adopted... I think it's something really special. I don't really have much time to play video games these days at all. This is basically all I am playing at the moment in the hours that I can find. So if people are interested, I would encourage them to, you know, watch a playthrough and then commit the time and try it out for themselves. I think it's worth trying out. And I think watching how it evolves over early access, I think that's going to be something special. And to piggyback on that, I would also say that I haven't seen as much of the development process as Prune has, but even the, there's been an enormous leap a lot of improvements from the demo period a couple months back to now. So this is early access and the trajectory that the design team developers have set is very high. So I expect that the game, if people haven't played it yet, or even if people are playing it and they are a little bit unsure about it, it's definitely a game which I, I would predict is going to improve greatly over time because it's always a question with early access. What does early access mean to the design team? Does this mean they just want their paycheck early? Or does it mean they seriously are incorporating player feedback? And it's definitely the latter with this team. Yeah, great game. I'm looking forward to where it goes from here. Yeah, they, they got their paycheck with that giant Kickstarter. <laughs> That's what it was. No, I mean, I just to kind of you know echo your sentiments, I, I, I agree with that. I think that it's in a, an extraordinarily good spot for where it is in its development cycle, having, you know, so, so many games enter early access, as you said, for like an early paycheck or to kind of, you know, fix what's broken. And I don't really see much broken here. I think it's, it's polished level stuff and, you know, some balance and pacing stuff that could really use the, the most effort. And when you're in a spot like that, I think that it, the sky's the limit really. And I think that something that, that kind of has stood out to me in the past couple of days that someone said, and, and that person happens to be Potato McWhiskey, who is a, an extraordinarily large YouTuber, that this game has the potential to change the like the genre landscape and you don't, you don't see many games like that i think europe universalis is one of those games i think you know and crusader kings is one of those games and there's a few been a few games over the course of like the past i mean i've been playing games for oh shoot i don't want to give my age away but like 36 years you know i've been i'm 40 years old now and i've been playing since i was four or five and so i i i see there's been you know, a hand, 
maybe dozens of games throughout that course of time that I I've latched on to as much as I've latched on to Terra Invicta. And that's why I brought you all here. That's why I I literally tracked Prune down. <laughs> I, had to, I had to go through like middlemen just to get to him. And I, I had to do that. Or I wanted to do that because I feel like this is the kind of game that I think we'll look back on in a couple of years and be like, wow, you know, we, we all knew this was something special and special it was. And special it is because I have a feeling it's got long legs for it. And I'm really excited to see its future. I am extraordinarily excited to see where the meta goes and how the players will respond to that and how the modding community will respond to the game. And, you know, I'm just really looking forward to its future. And of course, honestly, Hooded Horse, I mean, y'all are doing some great things over there, Havoc, and my hat's off to you. I, I, I'm really excited. I, I had a feeling that Tim knew what he was doing when he started to pick up games like Terran Victa and Falling Frontier, but his plan is starting to come to fruition. And I'm, I'm just really excited for the, the future here for Hooded Horse and you guys. For sure. Yeah, I mean, Terra Invicta was Hooded Horse's very first game that they signed. So, like, if he had to pick any game out of whatever was in development at the time, I think he picked the right one. And so I just wanted to say, you know, of course, as someone who works for Hooded Horse, I want the game to succeed. But it goes beyond that because Tim has a philosophy where, you know, especially as a content creator, we, you know, when we talked, he was like, you are not compelled to do anything in terms of creating content for any of our games. If you don't like it, it's understandable, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it says something that even without the pressure of having to make content for it, I played the game. I've enjoyed it to the point where it was the only thing I played in the last week. I've dumped 30 or 40 hours into it already. And so it is a really unique game. And I, I think to have that as like the cornerstone of what started Hooded Horse says a lot about the company in general and how it was founded and kind of what our goals are. And so, you know, it's kind of the standard. People will understand, you know, Hooded Horse really signs on unique games. If Hooded Horse takes on a game, you know, I, I would love it if it was the point where if we announce a game, people are immediately like, well, that must be a game that I want to play. And so I think Terra Invicta is a perfect example of that. Yeah, and I'll say just to kind of wrap things up, I think that I mean, we kind of in our circles, my circle at least, have been starting to talk about Hooded Horse is the new Microprose and Microprose back in the day, for those who don't know, and I can't believe I have to say this, but like in the 90s, I, they were just like synonymous with these unique and compelling strategy games that were trying new things and were almost exactly like you said, like instant sells, right? Like you would just, you'd say, oh, that's the new Microprose game. Like, you know, it was, it was Master of Orion. It was Master of Orion 2. It was Master of Magic. It was a bunch of these other Simtex games. I mean, XCOM. I mean, there was just so many games that, that these guys published that you just immediately were like, all right, that's that's my next purchase. And, you know, very quickly I'm seeing Hooded Horse become that. And that's not, I'm not saying that because you're here and I'm not saying that because I have any, you know, I'm getting a kickback or anything like that. I mean, if I could, that'd be great. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's just the truth of it. And I think that, like you said, I think Terra Invicta is a perfect flagship for your, like this, this new publishing strategy of finding unique games that are doing doing new things and and changing the genre that that are in and, and pushing those genres forward so hey guys i've had a lot of fun talking about terra invicta with you i really appreciate it uh, havoc thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it hey thanks for inviting me i had a blast with this yeah me too and tortuga i know you said in the chat here that you weren't ever going to be invited back to explorinate but of course the door is always open for you buddy well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed being here. 
well, we enjoyed having you. And Prun, again, you know, I, I like I said, I, I'm a huge fan of your work, not only with with gaming, but you also have a, a very awesome side gig. I guess that's your main gig, really, or part of your gig. I don't know even how many things you do, really. But like I said, I was adamant that I would track you down. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and talk about Terra Invicta. Yeah, no worries, mate. It was good to be here. Well, that's it for now. And this was Havoc, Tortuga Power, Perun, and Rob for Explominates. Until next time, keep exploring.